growing up the way that I did, wanting to be perfect, my sister and I were overweight. We would be called Bertha Butt. I had those teachers tell me that I wasn't good enough. My medical records is the way that they described me. Fearful, frightened, angry, helpless, hopeless, depressed, worthless, detached. And now I'm speaking to like 800 of you and I'm not patting myself on the back, I'm really not. Our experiences, good and bad, make us who we are. A big one for me is my battle with mental illness and my stay in the mental hospital. It's my story, I'm not embarrassed, and it's the story that leads me to send you a long distance hug every week. So welcome friends to Consider Yourself Hugged, episode 46. Today's very first hug for the new year, communicating in 2020, 10 tips to be your best self. I am Dr. Tammy West, again, here every week to bring you tips on living a life that brings you mental and emotional well-being. I'm so excited to be back in the podcast closet again. It's snuggly and cozy because here in Tennessee today, it's like this typical winter, 50 degrees and rain. Charlie sleepy, Roxy sleepy. So this is like a fabulous place to be. And I was thinking that it would seem weird to just jump right in without mentioning how my holidays were. By the way, you know, I would love to hear how your holiday was. So maybe in the show notes or comments on Facebook, you might already know that my husband Tim and I have eight children in a blended family. So holidays are always busy and wonderful and crazy. But this year was like exceptionally so. I don't really know why, but for some reason, the way we had it spread out, we had six I guess Christmases, six gatherings in four days. And that doesn't include like other things like church things and friend things. These were just family things. So Christmas Eve, my three biological children, we did sort of late in the evening. We opened a PJs. Oh, shocking. It's always such a surprise. Here you guys go. This I know you've never had this before. So we do that. We do ornaments and hot chocolate and that kind of stuff. Christmas morning, my three, who, by the way, are all in from out of town. Um, so we would get up and we did stockings. And then at 11 on Christmas morning, all of the other family came for breakfast and presents. And we did Dirty Santa, which was so much fun. And we had breakfast. So we had 22 people. Then that afternoon, we went to Tim's biological, his son and wife and our grandchildren. We went to their place for Christmas Let's see, the day after Christmas, we had my dad's side of the family. So that was 14 of us, I think. And then the next day we had, gosh, I don't even remember. We had something else the next day. So it was six Christmases. It was it was fun. It was wonderful. The last of my kids just left today. So it's just back to Tim and me. We had a very quiet New Year's. We just hang out, you know watch TV, do that kind of thing. So I hope that yours was wonderful. And I hope that your 2020 has just started off amazing. And as I thought about what do I want to do first? You know, how do I want to set the tone for 2020? I thought communication, self-awareness, because I don't think a lot of us are aware of how we communicate And when we don't communicate well, it can affect our relationships. It keeps us from speaking up. It keeps us from dealing with conflict and all that stuff. But we don't always know what kind of communicators we are. I don't think I've shared this story before, but a few years ago, I asked my husband, I asked him, I said, what behavior do I do that's annoying? 
Okay, now we were we were working a trade show. We created a product a few years ago that we used to to sell to stores and stuff, and we would work booths at trade shows. So, you know, people would come by, and you would show them your product. And so here's my husband, and I say, what do I do that's annoying? And you can imagine, he looked at me, and he was like, uh, nothing. You're perfect. I'm like, no, really, really, really. So finally, I pushed him, and here's what he said. He said, well, okay, if there's anything, like it's no big deal, but if there's anything, sometimes when people come by the booth, you and by the way, it was Band-Aids that we were selling, which that's a whole other story. Maybe I'll put a link to that story because it is kind of interesting. But anyway, we were selling Band-Aids. And he said, someone comes up to the booth and you jump out and you're like, would you like a Band-Aid? Would you like a Band-Aid? And then you just, you kind of get overexcited and they sort of jump back a little bit, especially when I see people that look like they're a little bit shy and sometimes they can feel a little bit overwhelmed. Now, I'm not going to lie. It was like, I'm not going to say, oh, I was like, good. Thank you for that feedback. I'm, Because it's weird, right? Especially with someone close to you um, when they do give you feedback and tell you that you are oh my gosh, shocking, less than perfect. But it was true. It was so true. And I had no idea. And so I didn't really know. And I still don't always know how well or how poorly I communicate unless I pay close attention and then sometimes get feedback. So again, I decided to start the year with this topic because it's foundational for better mental and emotional well-being, right? I mean, you can't say no, maybe, which affects you, it's communication. Do you not speak up or ask for things? Communication. Um, Maybe people don't seem to connect with you and you don't know why. It's all communication. Now, make sure, by the way, to listen to the end, although if you go to the show notes, you'll see it. Um, In February, I'm going to do a free webinar, but only for 10 people. And honestly, it's, it's one of the first of a few freebies because I'm branching out into more communication and speaker coaching. So, Pay attention to that. I really want you to be there. It's going to be very intimate and detailed, and I hope to be able to help many of you. It's going to be about giving presentations, but presentations can mean many things. I don't mean necessarily speeches in an auditorium. Okay. Anyway, you've waited long enough. How can you be a person that other people just really want to be around, one that has a reputation for being confident and kind and thoughtful and attentive? I've got 10 tips I'm giving you, and they will include several from mentally processing things before you speak, as well as what to say when you actually do speak. Here we go. Number one, we're going to start with mental. Check your assumptions. So have you ever been, let's say you've been in church or a movie or a play, and someone was like talking? Not in a super, super. I mean, not in a whisper where you and just like occasionally, but just like talking almost in a normal volume and a lot. This happened, I don't know, a couple months ago, maybe at my church. There were a couple of women behind me. And I am not exaggerating when I say they talked at a decent volume. I mean, it was obvious they were kind of trying to be quiet, but it wasn't super quiet. No exaggeration. They talked the entire service. Okay, so I hope you're going, ugh. That's what you're doing right now. My friend and I, we, we glanced at each other. Occasionally, you could tell that we were kind of glancing back. And when we left, of course, when we left out of the sanctuary, we were chatting about how weird that was. I mean, I wanted to think, I said, well, maybe there was something traumatic going on. I don't know, but it just was weird. 
no sooner had we finished the conversation when, because there was, a, it was two women, now we know, and two men. One of the men came up and, and he actually came and found us. And he said, oh my gosh, I wanted to make sure I found you and apologize. My wife's mother is here from Germany and she doesn't speak English. And so she was translating the entire service for her. <gasps> Do you see what I mean? Assumptions. The assumption that someone is being rude or they're being self-centered or they don't care who's around them. In traffic, we make assumptions. We make assumptions all the time and they guide the conversation, right? The underlying assumption guides the conversation. We all do it. So please be careful about doing that. Get in touch with your thoughts and then decide whether or not the thought is 100% valid and how you should proceed. You won't always know if the thought is valid. But for example, with this church thing, if we based the assumption that something was going on, then that conversation wouldn't have even gone in that direction. Try to assume the best and then go forward. Evaluate, get in check with your assumptions. Number two, evaluate benefits and or risks to a conversation. So let's go back and start with the church scenario. What do I mean by benefits to a conversation? Well, it was for sure beneficial for my friend and me because it bonded us. You know what I mean? I mean, we're good, they're bad. Now, I know that sounds harsh, but you know what I'm saying. It bonds us. We connected over it. There are benefits to things like gossip, negative conversations, because it does bond people together. It just does. So assess if that's what you're doing. What is the benefit of having a conversation? That's really what I mean by that is an underlying benefit. Now, there can be benefits like if you ask for a raise, you get it. That's definitely a benefit. But what I mean is as you're having a conversation and you start to speak, think about what you're getting out of that conversation. Then on the other hand, what about the risks? Look, I'm going to flat out admit to you that there are issues in my life that come up all the time that I might not address because the risk, okay, or the perceived risk is too great at the time. It's just too great. Um, for example, think about your, your personal world. Maybe you're married and you're not speaking up to your spouse about not helping out at home. Or maybe you're not speaking up to your spouse about that spouse being too critical of you. Maybe the reason is the risk is you predict an argument will follow and you don't want it. You don't want an argument. The thing about this is... If you make the decision to not proceed with the conversation, at least you're deciding. You know what I'm saying? You're not like not doing it out of just default. You're not doing it because you're saying, you know what, right now the risk is too great. It doesn't mean that you don't work to the place where you have the conversation, but at least you've evaluated it. You're in charge of your own thoughts and you're in charge of your own decisions. And that's huge for me, being in charge of my choices. At least I know I'm the one who's doing it. So that's number two. Number three, say no thoughtfully. I used to do training for a couple of seminar companies, which was a great experience, by the way, but they had different classes and, and they would give us workbooks to use. And in some of the communication workbooks, many of them actually, they addressed this topic of saying no. And I would be so frustrated sometimes because there would be a sentence in almost all of them that would say, no is a complete sentence. You need say no more. And this was typically under like the topic of being assertive. And that's completely true. I mean, that is absolutely true. No 
I mean, unless you're looking at it as grammar, but it's a complete sentence and you don't have to say anything more. Well, if it's a telemarketer, it's some random request from someone you don't know, you may never see again, and there's no real risk. Like, like let, let's say you're out in a mall or somewhere and, and somebody has a clipboard and they want you to take a survey. You can just say no. It doesn't matter. So those are times when there's not a real risk. It might be a great choice. But if it's saying no to a friend or a family or a colleague or something like that, I believe there is a risk. You know, I mean, imagine asking a friend. You're asking this friend if they'll help you with some kind of a church event, for example. And they say, hmm, no. Two, hmm. I'll have to, I'm going to have to say no on that, period. So how does that feel? Now, I'm not saying you have to give somebody a novel. You know, I'm not saying you have to say, oh, gosh, no, I sure wish I could. But this week I have the kids and we have this, I've got to take them to the doctor and my husband's out of town or my wife has got, what? I don't, I'm not saying you have to do all that. But maybe say something like, and this is just an example, by the way, don't, think this is the only way to react. Maybe say something like, that sounds like such a great event and normally I'd love to help. I'm super overcommitted this month, but please ask me if something like this comes up again. Now, don't say that if you don't ever want to be asked. Um, But what I'm going to do is put a link in the show notes to Meryl Runyon's Power Phrases. Um, And FYI, I'll mention this again, I'm giving one away too. That's going to be the giveaway for this month. She has some phrases and advice. She has a whole section on saying no. And I will tell you, she, I interviewed her a while back. I'll put a link to that as well. And she said that she, at this point in her life, she felt like some of her tips and power phrases were a little bit harsh. But still, so as you read that, just know that. Looking back, in fact, she made the comment if she wrote again, she might call it power phrases with grace. But still, look at the section for saying no browse that part and you'll have some, you'll have a bank of things that then you can decide how to put them together. So I hope that makes sense. Um, Number three was saying no thoughtfully. And we do need to say no sometimes. And you may have heard this before too, and I love it. Saying no to something means you're saying yes to something else. So you decide, you choose. And I also believe, by the way, in serving and helping, that there's got to be a balance. All right, number four ask for help. Why don't, why do you think we don't ask for help, especially if you are a woman? And but I'm just thinking that will definitely be a, a future show. But the short answer is we think we should be able to do it all. Doing it all gives us a superwoman identity. Not doing it all means we're lazy or irresponsible or incompetent, right? Okay. Fooey, fooey. Yes, I'm saying fooey. If you've read The Stress Club, I'll put a link. You know that this is all, how about another word, malarkey. We are a human race that relies on each other. It's as simple as that. And listen, asking for help and even delegating, like if people come over to your house, let's say, well, at Christmas when we had 22 people, if if I'm delegating and saying, hey, would you, which I did, hey, would you mind cutting this up? Hey, would you mind going and setting this out here? So asking for help or even delegating when you can, it makes people feel good when you ask. It makes people feel involved. It, it, it elevates, well, not elevates, that's not what I wanted to say, but it, it presents you as being confident that, I hate to say it this way, but it presents you as someone who's not trying to be a martyr. 
someone who doesn't get their identity and having to be the sole source of everything in your home or at work or whatever. It shows great strength. So ask for help, if not for you, for them, but better for you both. Number five, respectfully interrupt. This is a weird way to say it, but I word it this way instead of saying be a good listener. You can be a good listener in many ways. You can, and if you've ever taken a communication class, you've probably heard things which are good, like lean forward, nod your head, put your phone away, um, all those things. But this one takes it to a whole nother level. When you're listening to someone's story, maybe say something like, wait, hang on, can you back up a minute? Do you mean to say that? Blah, blah, blah. This makes people really feel listened to because you are showing excitement in their story. You're asking them some clarification. Um, Maybe you're in awe of what they said and you want them to repeat it. So interject something like that appropriately. It makes people feel truly listened to and it will enhance your relationships both personally and professionally. You remember at the beginning of the episode, I said something like, Um, Do you want to just connect better with people? Or if I didn't say it, I meant to say it. This is a great way to connect with people. People will want to talk to you and be around you. Sort of related to that is number six. Ask questions. Just like the appropriate interruption or respectful interruption, this makes people feel like loved or cared about and important. And especially when you meet someone new, try to focus on them instead of yourself And people, just think about people in your world. I interviewed Matt Upton a while back. I'll put a link to his show as well because he talks about having a servant heart. When you sit down with Matt Upton, you don't know anything about him for a while because he's interested in you. And it is so sincere. By the way, I need to add that in there too. Be sincere. Like don't ask, don't have a list of questions that you have on your arm that you can roll your sleeve up and say, "Um, where are you from? Uh, What did you do? But if you're really listening and maybe you're respectfully interrupting, naturally questions are going to follow. And again, I promise, promise it will enhance your relationships. Um, Unless you don't want relationships, then don't ask people questions. Number seven, replace some of your phrases and or words. I think that language, well, I don't think I know, language becomes sort of this popular thing popular word thing. That's probably not very good grammar, but what I mean is words and phrases sort of creep in over time and then we all use them and we don't think about how we're using them. I'm going to point out four that particularly strike me. Um, There are many. These may not speak to you, but I think at least you'll get my point. And and it will help you also pay attention when you're talking with other people. If if, If you're talking with another person and they use a phrase or a word that kind of makes you go, oof, then put that in your mental sort of little pocket to remind yourself not to do say that to other people. So here are my four. Anybody who knows me, the first one, anybody who knows me knows this drives me crazy. The phrase, no problem. When so, And I used to never hear that, but you hear it all the time now. When you say thank you to somebody and they say no problem, it's not that it's horrible. I don't want the person to die or anything, but it's like, why would you say no problem? It indicates that maybe there could have been a problem, but you're letting me off the hook and telling me there's not a problem. It's just a weird thing. Change it to think of the Chick-fil-A mentality. I'm not saying that you have to say my pleasure, but don't you just feel good when you say thank you and they say my pleasure? 
So maybe you say, you are so welcome, or I am really happy to help. I'm glad that I could help. You're welcome. Whatever it is, but lose, no problem. The second one is, well, at least. I think sometimes we think that we're trying to make someone feel better when we say this, but here's the way it goes. Um, Let's say sometimes when I'm flying, and maybe it was just a super long flight, or I got in late, And if I was telling the story and then someone might say, well, at least you didn't have to get up and go to work the next day. Well, that was true. But it just here's the thing is when you when you when you use language and and you're reacting to somebody else's story, then just ask yourself, is this lifting the person up? Is this elevating our conversation? And I think that, again, you're trying to make somebody feel better, maybe when you say that, but maybe not. So just lose the whole, well, at least you, well, at least you this or well, at least you that. That's the second one. The third one is just, let's take this example. Someone is telling you that they really struggle with traffic in the morning. They're trying to get to work. And you say to them, well, it's just a matter of planning your time better. The word just really decreases what someone is going through. So just pay attention to that word. And the last one is a transitional phrase that typically tells somebody you weren't you were just waiting for your turn and the phrase is well see I let's say that you are teachers maybe you and a teacher and you are telling your teacher colleague that a student was particularly misbehaving in class and you're really struggling and your co-teacher says well see I wouldn't put up with that so well see I takes a conversation and directs it back directly toward you. So those are just four phrases that I've noticed that don't necessarily elevate the conversation. They don't necessarily lift the person up. They're just not phrases that elevate you as a communicator. So lose those and or replace them. Number eight, learn about communicating with other styles. Imagine you're an outgoing, creative, dramatic person who loves to tell a story. You just saw a crazy wreck. And let's say everyone was okay, so it's not a sad story. And you call your friend. And you talk about there were five police cars and 20 people standing in the street and traffic was backed up for five miles. And you're just telling this story. But your friend is logical and analytical. And the reply you get is, well, the streets are wet and folks need to slow down. And you're like, that's what you take away from my story? You're frustrated. He's frustrated. A sign of great emotional maturity is to meet people where they are. It helps you. It helps them. I don't mean be fake. I don't mean change who you are. I don't mean let people treat you poorly because of their style. But if you want to connect well, if you want to get something that you need, or you want to be a confident communicator, you should know your audience. So in the rec case, your first call should be to one of your other more dramatic friends. So you might get oh my gosh, what? That's crazy. Were there fire trucks? Was there a fire? How long did you sit there? And then you feel really good. See what I mean? There are lots of personality style tests that you can take out there. I'm posting a link to the one I wrote, what type of coffee are you? And I did a session on it previously, so I'll put a link to that as well. This will gosh, really enhance your communication style, make you confident, um, help you get things you want, and just really elevate your position as far as a communicator. Number nine, learn powerful language. 
Um, I think I shared this story in a previous episode, but I don't remember when, and we've been doing this for a year now, So, but I'm going to share it again. Um, I trained with a woman years ago. I'm going to say it's been 10, 12 years ago. We were training together for a seminar company. We didn't know each other before we met at the airport. We trained together Monday, Tuesday. We were struggling with getting along. I mean, we weren't arguing or anything. We just weren't connecting. Wednesday came, and we had 100-ish women in a women's conference, and we were about to do breakouts. So I explained my session, she explained her session, and then we took a break. My session was about emotions, and hers was about being assertive. So we took a break, and we each went to our rooms, and the women could go wherever they wanted. They didn't have to go to one or the other. So it was about a minute to start, and she walked in and said, well, no one came to my session, so I'm just going to stay with you. Okay, fine, but her role should have been just to listen, right? I mean, she wasn't a participant. She was just there to listen. Well, there came a point in this session on emotions when I said to the women, I said, I need someone to engage me in a difficult conversation. Who will do it? And what I'm really doing is I'm saying, I need someone to be mean to me. Who will do it? And no one ever wants to do it. I have to talk them into it. But her hand went straight up. And so everybody saw her hand. So I called on her and she says to me in front of a hundred-ish women, yeah, God, what is up with your hair? Now, you all know, now, you know my battle with mental illness. Um, If you've listened to me much, you probably know it's related to self-esteem issues as a child. And so here I was in front of a hundred women in a class on emotions, and she just called me out on my hair. Now, I don't know what I would have done in my, I'm doing air quotes, previous life before I began studying powerful language. But I knew, I, I searched my brain, and I had a phrase. It came from power phrases. Again, I'll post a link to the book. And so I paused for a moment, and I said, What would make you ask me a question like that? Now, there was more to the story. If I can remember what the episode was, I'll post a link to it. But my point is, I probably would have just turned red and maybe not have said anything. I don't really know. I can't predict what would have happened. But my emotion spiked. My adrenaline went up. And had I not been studying, it would have affected me in a very negative way. See, now I don't even need to reference that book. Because my brain has been retrained. Now I can, I can form phrases even in the heat of the moment. I am not perfect, by the way, please. But I do so much better than I used to. So train your beautiful brain, please. And finally, number 10. Remember that language is action. We tend to think, and actually one definition of language is that it is a way to communicate what you're thinking and or feeling, but that is not always the case. Let's say you bought a shirt at a store and it was $19.99, okay? Let's say that you're a woman um, and it could go either way, but I'm just saying you're a woman and you went and bought this shirt and you and your husband are trying to be frugal. When you tell your husband that you bought the shirt, how much are you going to say you paid for it? You're probably going to say $19 or $19.99 because it's a bargain, right? The action here is constructing this as a frugal activity. But let's say that you're angry at the store 
the quality of their clothes is not that great and you 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 decide not to buy the shirt and you're telling a friend about this store that overprices their stuff the quality's not great how much are you going to say the shirt is $20 plus tax right because the the action that you're doing there is constructing this as an overpriced place and a store that is not great see there's there's action you don't even realize you're doing it every time your mouth opens an action occurs i can't tell you what that action is but with practice you'll begin to know like did your friend ask you if you were mad and you were but you said no have you ever done that yes i know you've done that so was the action that you intended was was it to protect yourself was it to irritate him Okay, when you were cleaning the house and no one was helping and you said, well, please don't let me interrupt your television time, was the action to get someone to help? Was it to make them feel bad? Was it, and I hate to say this, but was it to sort of do the martyrdom thing? You know, ask yourself what the action is often enough and you'll change. You still might say things that you wish you hadn't. Um, you still might not always be confident or you may not speak up or any other myriad of poorer communication choices, but at least you'll be aware of it and you'll probably start to make changes. That's 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. We covered everything from your thoughts, your assumptions, the risks, the benefits, saying no, speaking up and asking for help, interrupting and asking questions, replacing some of your phrases and words, communicating with other styles, learning powerful language, and most importantly, I think really is remembering that every time you open your mouth, something happens between you and that other person. And that's our time for today. I really hope that you have had a fabulous start to the new year. And I know these tips were quick, but it's a start, okay? This is just a start to becoming the best communicator that you can be. We all have room to grow in the realm of communication, and it's something that we absolutely have control over, and it's something that gives us more mental and emotional well-being. So please let me know what you try, your successes, your challenges, your suggestions. I'm starting the giveaways again this year, so as I already said twice, I think today, um, this month I'm going to draw from the comments on the show notes and give away a copy of Power Phrases. I think what I'll do each month is try to make the giveaway something that's pertinent to at least one of the episodes. So put those comments there. I am also excited, I mentioned this earlier, to announce that in 2020 I am expanding my communication coaching. So I'll be doing topics like relational communication, workplace communication, and giving presentations. And that could be whether it's to three people or 3,000 people. And that's what I'm going to start with. I am going to do a free webinar on giving killer presentations in February. Um, don't think that that's something you don't need to participate in because you don't speak for a living. Or it could be that you're presenting an idea to three or four people in the workplace. Or you're talking to your family or whatever it is. But that's what the first one's going to be about. I'm only going to do... 10 people because it'll be super interactive so check out the link in the show notes everything will be there for you to register and then you'll be getting some information on what you need to do before our time together 
So I'm excited about that. As always, please pass the show link along to a friend or two and subscribe, download, review, wherever you are listening. I'm hoping the show expands even more in 2020. Head over to TammyWest.com to get information if you'd like for me to speak at your next event. And that's, of course, where you will find the links. I'd love for you to follow me on Facebook. It is still my primary social media home at facebook.com slash Tammy West Seminars. There's so many social media platforms out there. And sorry, guys, this is pretty much the one I stick to. So thank you again for listening this year and growing our community. I have decided this year to end each episode with a new little mantra, and I hope parts of it will play over and over in your head until they become your reality. So here we go. I pray that each day you remember to love, to serve, to feel worthy, to grow, connect, to change, and to be the best person you can be for yourself and for the other humans in your world. And until next time, I will never change this part. Consider yourself hugged.